0: Thanks for tuning in today. This is Kevin Conover and you're listening. Uh, if you're listening down here in San Diego, it's KPRZ.com. Uh, that's KPRZ 1210 AM here locally down in Southern California. And we're also on FM 106.1 in North County. And then of course, we're podcast all over the place and we're on YouTube. And uh, I've got an exciting show today. Uh, my guest is Eric Johnson and um, he's a friend of mine. And uh, actually, ta- we both taught at the same school. He's actually taught I found out longer than I did at Christian High, uh, but he's been in Mormon ministry, um, reaching um, members of the Church of uh, Latter-day Saints, uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, in Utah, and uh, just came out with a book, Introducing Christianity to Mormons. And uh, it's a fantastic book. Uh, Here it is right here. I'm holding it up for you. And uh, if you have friends or neighbors or relatives that uh, are from the Mormon church, uh, it's really, really uh, encouraging, and uh, it'll really educate you, and it's also a blessing to be able to give it to somebody that you know who is a part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, Eric, thanks a lot for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me on, Kevin.
0: Yeah, it's a huge blessing. How long did you teach at Christian High?
1: I taught for 17 years.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. So uh, yeah, I thought. all the
1: way until 2010, and then you took over the department I had a couple years later.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's pretty pretty crazy. And you're still, um, and now you do ministry in Utah. Um, how long have you been doing that?
1: Oh, we moved here in 2010. So this is our 13th year. That's amazing. Uh, love, love living here in the midst of where Mormonism happens in, in the Salt Lake City area.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I want to, you know, hop right into here to a question because, uh, you, you know, I'm the apologetics teacher over at Christian High. And it's what you did too. And it's such a joy. It's a lot of fun uh, talking to the kids. But whenever we get into the the issue of Mormonism, uh, it's amazing to me. It is the the religion that my students seem to bump into more than any other particular religion. Not more than Islam, more than um, uh, more than Hinduism, more than um, Jehovah's Witness, uh, really anything. And the students also seem to be more interested in it than um, any other particular religion. Maybe for that same reason. Um, but one of the things that happens just it's uh, all the time is that a, a student will say, yeah, I was talking to my Mormon friend. They said they're Christians too. And, uh, you know, and, and this has been my experience. Before I knew much about Mormonism, somebody would come to the door and I would, uh, they'd, they'd say, hi, we're here from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I would say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian. And they'd, and they'd say, oh, so am I. And then I'd say, yeah, but I believe in Jesus Christ. And they would say, so do I. And then they would say, I would say, but I believe I'm saved by grace, you know, through faith. And they'd say, so do I. And then I was like, okay, well, I guess we're done. <laughs> you know, um, and is that, that I when reading your book, um, is this, it seems like it's one of the main drivers of why you, you wrote the book.
1: Yeah, I, I wanna say that I love Latter-day Saints. I don't want anybody who's a Latter-day Saint listening to this say, oh, he must hate them. I moved to Utah because I love the people, even though I never have been um, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. But my title alone is gonna make some true blue mormons as they're called upset because introducing christianity what do you mean we're (laughs) christians too and then two mormons back in 2018 the top leader of the church russell m nelson declared that jesus is offended whenever we use the term mormon which was a big change because their website was called lds.org and and mormon.org they changed it to the church of jesus christ.org i can't use that term for the church, because I don't believe it is the Church of Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, so, so just the title I have alone is offensive. But when you do talk to Latter-day Saints, as you're talking about here, Kevin, uh, you are going to run into this. And I don't like to say, well, I'm a Christian and you're not, because we do get in that back and forth battle. And I don't want to do that. But at the same time, I have to acknowledge that there are differences. And so one of the things I did in the book is every time I came upon a unique word, I have an appendix in the back that is a glossary to define those terms. Instead of trying to just define those terms in the text, I would just send people there by having that italicized word there. But when we use the term atonement, when we use the term grace, saved by grace, or Jesus and being my savior, Latter-day Saints are gonna say, of course, that's what we believe. He's in our church's name when, you know, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But I think the problem that a lot of Christians uh don't understand is that we do have that same language but different meanings so you never tell a latter-day saint what he or she believes but rather you ask them well what do you mean when you say that you're saved by grace because in christianity we believe in ephesians 2 8 9 we're saved by grace through faith it's not of ourselves it is the gift of god not by works lest any man should boast And Latter-day Saints immediately want to take you to James 2.20, faith without works is dead. Well, I agree with with what uh, James says in James 2.20. Yes, when you have faith, works will follow. And in fact, verse 10 of Ephesians 2 does say that we, uh, for we are God's workmanship created by Christ Jesus to do good works. So uh, when when you understand that salvation by faith for a Christian means that justification by faith alone, the rallying cry of the Reformation, where we have Ephesians two 8, 9, they'll go to 2 Nephi 25, 23 in the Book of Mormon. They have four scriptures, the Bible, King James Version, they have the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and Pearl of Great Price. And so that says in 2 Nephi 25, 23, we're saved by grace after all we can do. So Mm. what that means is you're saved by grace, which is what's called immortality, and you get one of three kingdoms of glory, but eternal life, celestial kingdom, exaltation, the very best the religion has to offer is only available through complete uh, commandment keeping. How many commandments is a Latter-day Saint supposed to keep? All of them. How often? All the time. And they know that. And so for for us- yeah,
0: when you say uh, Eric, keep all the commandments. Are you referring to the Ten Commandments? What are you referring to specifically there?
1: That would be anything the church deems to be something you need to do. That would include going to church on Sunday, honoring the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But it also would include uh, getting baptized. It would include going to church on a on a, on a regular basis, uh, going to the temple, and uh, doing the work that's necessary for not only this life, but the next life, you get married there for time and eternity. I was just at the San Diego temple a couple of weeks ago, talking to missionaries that are there, they're positioned right outside the front door. You can go and talk to them. I encourage Christians to go to the temple and do that as well as the Mormon battalion center and ask questions. And I asked the question to these missionaries, do you know, if you were to die right now, you would have eternal life. And they said, and they knew what I meant. Eternal life, eternal life is for them uh, becoming gods and goddesses. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, I, we don't know that for sure, but but we're doing our best and we're trying. And then I cited First John 5:13, we may know, that we have eternal life. Latter-day Saints generally have no idea of an assurance of salvation. As Christians, we do believe that we're saved by grace through faith. That's the justification through grace and mercy uh, that we receive and that Jesus imputes his righteousness into our account. So it's based on work but it's not based on my work. It's based on what he has done. And Mm -hmm. so those missionaries had to admit that they didn't have an assurance of salvation that I'm capable of having. And that's a biblical faith to know that we have eternal life. First John 5, 13 teaches it. And so I believe it.
0: That's awesome. Dependent on him, not dependent on me. That's the big difference there. But now I have a question for you about this because I had an unusual experience. I actually, um, you know, I frequently try to have people on my radio program who are from different faiths. So I've had, uh, uh, Muslims on as well as former Muslims on. And, um, I I've had, uh, one of the gentlemen you, you quote in here, I've, I've actually had him on my program too. um, former Muslim, I'm uh, uh, sorry, former Mormon, um, uh, Corey Miller. Uh, he was on my yes. program. Right. Uh, really nice guy. And, um, but I had a guy on the program who was a current Mormon and, uh, he was a very, very well-off individual. Uh, he was very high up in the church um, and we made an Im- immediate connection um, because uh, both of our kids have the same health uh, issues. Anyway, he ended up inviting me over to his house. Um, and so my wife and I went over to his house for dinner and it was just him and his wife and, and the two of us, and my wife and I. And I, I said, do you mind if I ask you some you know personal questions about Mormonism? Because um, he was very. He knew, you know, that uh, I was a dedicated Christian, and and so he said, "No, go ahead." And and I said, "Do you believe that you're saved by faith and not by works?" And he said to me, um, "Well, we do. Jesus does ninety-seven percent, and we do like three <laughs> percent." And, and so I said, "Well, that's that's where we're we're different. I believe Jesus does a hundred percent." But then his wife cut in and said, "No, no, Jesus does a hundred percent." And at that point, I was like. Okay, well, now I'm, I'm confused. What, what do you actually believe, right? And so do you run into this frequently where um, Mormons actually have different beliefs than what's actually taught in official Mormon doctrine? Is this a common thing where, or or is there disagreement within the uh, Mormon church? What's what's going on there?
1: Oh, absolutely, because the church leadership has given itself the right to be able to teach authoritatively. There's a prophet. His name is Russell M. Nelson. He's in his late 90s. We ha- He has two counselors. That group of three men is known as the first presidency, 12 apostles underneath them, and groups of men called the 70s. They, they're the ones who are supposed to speak authoritatively. But what you just cited was from a, a BYU professor. He's, he just passed away a few years ago, Stephen E. Robinson. And, uh, and basically, the idea that uh, Jesus pays uh, you know, the rest well, there's nothing you have to offer. It says in Isaiah 64, 6, yeah. that all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags in God's sight. It mm-hmm. sounds almost spiritual, like, well, if, he, you know, um, if I do my best, then Jesus does the rest, 97%. Mm-hmm. You're right. It, it, it's it's uh, not accurate, according to the Bible, because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe is how the hymn the goes. And so for, yeah. for a person to say, well, we're talking about the same gospel and the same Jesus, that's not true at all. Because if, if it's true that I have anything to do, my uh heart is not going to be able to accomplish the perfection that, that God requires. And you have to understand too, you never tell a Latter-day Saint what he or she believes. Hmm. That's a mistake some Christians will make. They, they read our books like we have a book called Mormonism 101 that compares the two. Oh, you believe this and you believe that. That's not what you want to do because the Latter-day Saint might not actually believe that. So uh, he, then what you ask is, what is it that you believe about salvation by grace through faith? Hmm. Oh, you know, this is what I believe. Now, knowing a little bit about the faith, you'll be able to ask, questions that will be able to help you understand where they're at and then you can answer them but when a latter-day saint typically says salvation and again this is in the appendix with the glossary when, when they use the word appendix they could be meaning one of two things there's what's called immortality immortality is being born in this earth because mormonism teaches in what's called pre-existence in a previous life We had to make a decision between the plan offered by Lucifer and the plan offered by Jesus. Two brothers who came up with two different plans, Lucifer's plan said, Everybody is going to be forced to uh, to to follow uh, the the gospel of Heavenly Father, and Jesus said, "We'll give them agency." Well, Jesus' plan was the righteous one because Jesus was the firstborn. So, because we chose, we were uh, Jesus. We were allowed to be born in this earth, but one third of our brothers and sisters did not choose Jesus. They chose Lucifer's plan they became the spirits uh, that are called demons. Without bodies, they're not able to progress. Immortality then is salvation through, by grace, Atonement, they'll use. Uh, Those terms are all referring to immortality. You'll get one of three kingdoms of glory. But the very top kingdom of glory that the Mormon is supposed to want is called the celestial kingdom. And the only way that you can get there is by keeping the commandments continually. It says in Doctrine and Covenants section one, uh, it says, For I, the Lord, cannot look upon sin with the least degree of allowance. Nevertheless, he that repents and does the commandments of the Lord shall be forgiven. Ask a Latter-day Saint, how many commandments must you keep? They know what the answer is. All of them. How often? All the time. So there's a difference between immortality and eternal life. Exaltation, celestial kingdom are all, our celestial glory are, are all synonymous terms. And you must understand that if you're going to communicate with a Latter-day Saint to make the point clear that, Christianity doesn't have that kind of a teaching.
0: So that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Now, um, so there's, there's the telestial, terrestrial, celestial, these three levels of heaven in Mormonism. Now, um, you know, if somebody were to say, well, uh, you know, I'm fine with going to the telestial or the terrestrial. Uh, It's okay if I don't make it to the celestial. Um, You know, how do you respond to something like that, where, where uh, they, they say, you know, I'm going to be fine. It's no big deal.
1: I actually use uh, Pascal's wager, uh, which I'm sure you're familiar with the the idea that uh, what are you willing to bet your life on? It's not a good reason to become a Christian, but at the same time, it's something that will get somebody to think. And so if they don't think they're going to get the celestial kingdom. Normally they'll say, I'm going to the terrestrial kingdom, which is supposed to be a really nice place. Supposedly Joseph Smith said at one time, if you only could peek into the terrestrial kingdom, you'd wanna be there right away. You'd wanna almost commit suicide to get there. That's how beautiful (laughs) it is. So is that where you think you're headed? yeah okay cuz I'm not qualified for the celestial. A lot of Latter-day Saints will admit that they're not doing everything they're supposed to do for the celestial kingdom. Yeah. And then I say, "Okay, well, what's my situation if I were to die right now? Where do you think I would end up if you're correct on your theology?" "Oh, you seem like a nice guy usually I'm told. You probably will head to the terrestrial kingdom as, all, as well." And I and my response is, "Let me get this straight. So you're going to get what I'm going to get and I can drink coffee?" I mean, why would I want to go through all of that to to be able to have the same as what you have? I don't think I think the Mormon would be correct if they don't think they're going to qualify for the celestial kingdom, because I don't think anybody could except for Jesus himself. But if that's the case, then what do they have to gain from their religion if they're not going to get to be with their family forever because that's the goal the man would become the god of a new world just as heavenly father was once the god uh, or actually he was a human who lived in another realm he was he was a human with a body of flesh and bones doctrine and covenant section 130 verse 22 says that god has a body of flesh and bone and that he had a God before him and he had a God before him. And it's really an infinite regress. It makes no sense. Where did mm. the first God come from? And the hope in Mormonism is that they'll have a chance to be as God is now by by uh, righteously obeying every uh, commandment, by going to the temple, by learning special tokens, they're called, their handshakes from masonry, to get a new name, to the man has to call the woman uh, by her name, that they'll be able to use those tokens to get into the celestial kingdom. But the Bible doesn't teach this. This is why yeah, we need as Christians to be able to introduce Christianity to Mormons. They need to know that there is hope beyond them trying to earn God's favor by going to a temple and doing the things the church says.
0: Yeah, I have I have, I have so many questions popping up in my head here as you're talking, because there's so many uh, nuances in, in this um, that, that are i'm curious about um so i'm just going to rattle off some of my questions here mm-hmm. um one of the questions i have is i know that mormon heaven in the celestial promises that that a man can become a god of his own planet and um then he he has these goddess wives um what what is the benefit for a woman is it that she gets to be a goddess on that planet and is that uh, many goddess women? What, what is going on there? Is that what's considered heaven for them? I had, a, I had a student say, that doesn't sound very great to me to be perpetually pregnant. Um, I, I, don't, I don't like that idea.
1: <laughs> and right now, the church is having a big problem with several different issues. One would be the um, LGBTQ issue. That's a big struggle in their church right now. Many members are uh, believe in homosexuality as an alternative choice, uh, but also feminism and you have to understand the feminists have a pretty loud voice even though there's nothing official they are not allowed to have women priests so the men are the ones who hold this special priesthood called the Aaronic priesthood and the uh, Melchizedek priesthood these boys that get it at 12 or actually 11 now and 18 they'll get the Melchizedek priesthood that's the the authority well the women are saying well what about us why can't we have authority because in christianity We have what's called the priesthood of the believer. We believe that there's a royal priesthood that every believer has. There's neither male nor female. So, you know, the idea that that is a concern for a lot of Latter-day Saints. Another concern for them is that they're the view that only Heavenly Father ought to be worshiped. Now, there are other gods and they can't tell you about these gods on other planets. They can't tell you really. they, they, They don't really have a lot of information about the polygamy that took place, but uh, earlier leaders did very clearly say this is how God the Father did it and that there would be polygamy reinstated in the next life. In fact, the top two leaders of the church, uh, Dallin H. Oaks is the first counselor of the first presidency, and then you have Russell M. Nelson. Both are married to two women, uh, not at the same time. One, Their first wives died and then they got married to them again or not married to other women and, and who had not been married to a man uh, for eternity before. And so they were married to them for time and eternity a second time. They, they plan to see both of those women. So you ask the question, well, what's in it for them? Uh, they're not going to be worshipped. So there's not worship that's going to be given to them because the church says, no, it's wrong to pray to heavenly mother. It's wrong to, we'll we'll sing a song about her. They have hymns that are dedicated to her, but they are not allowed to worship or pray to, to heavenly mother. So, A lot of women have a problem with that. The idea that they're beholden to their husbands who are going to be married to other women and they're going to need to be if they want to populate their next world. Again, they don't know much about that, how that all works out. The Latter-day Saint, I don't know much about it. But do you believe in this couplet as man is God once was, Mm. as God is, man may be. That's by Lorenzo Snow in 1840. Joseph Smith called it doctrine. The Mm. idea that God has a body of flesh and bones, as we do today, in what's called the second estate or mortality, we have this body, and we want to progress by keeping the commandments, by going to the temple, doing our work for ourselves, doing work on behalf of the dead. Most of the work done at that San Diego temple is being done on behalf of dead people. That's why Mm -hmm. genealogy is so important. And then that second part, as God is, man may be. Well, that's great for the man who is going to learn his wife's new name, which they get in the temple when they get married. He has to use that new name, which comes from either the Book of Mormon or the Bible. Everybody in the temple gets the same name that day. The man gets a new name as well. And he must call her up by that name. He they must go together and get into the celestial kingdom after the judgment takes place. Use those handshakes to get in. And I'm, I'm, I'm a letter. You saint might say I'm being mean spirited. I'm. That's what they are. They're called tokens, but they're going to use that to get into the very best this religion has to offer. Now her goal is to produce spirit children, just as Heavenly Father's wives did, and there will be other women. And it's a, it's a physical union. Heavenly Father is not just waving he's not just touching they're having relations and so there will be relations like that in the next life a lot of latter-day saints like that idea but it's usually the men who more like that idea more than the women
0: so um so this man when he becomes the god of his own planet and so are they are they uh, i know at one time they practiced polygamy right uh and then then uh, the u.s uh, government said, Hey, no more polygamy. I believe that was 1890. Uh, yep. the manifesto. And, yep. And so now they still, the Mormon church still believes in celestial marriage polygamy, yes. but not, not physically here. Um, now there, there have been court cases now that, that happened a while ago in Utah where uh, that one of the judges did not um, I guess it was a considered a religious issue and you can do what you want in your own home. Um, is the church's position on the issue of polygamy um, gradually changing towards an acceptance of polygamy? And is that just a spiritual polygamy or is that actual, uh, is that actual polygamy here?
1: Yeah, the, the spiritual polygamy you're talking about—that always has been and always will be. So they, it, it wouldn't be right to say that Mormonism no longer teaches in polygamy. It still does in the spiritual sense uh, it, that they'll be able to uh, get married here. To uh, a, and now a man can get married to two women in a in an eternal sense. A woman cannot get married to two men. Once she's hmm. been married to a man, she's no longer going to be allowed to 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 do that. But th- they would not say that polygamy is okay. In fact, they have used the word cult. And I don't like to use the word cult when I'm talking about Latter-day Saints, because it's it's a pejorative. It's a word they don't really care for. And so I never use that word. Yeah. But leaders over the years have said the polygamous cults. Uh, they certainly are not looking for that kind of an uh, issue. You know, someday, Maybe the US government, we've already allowed for uh, homosexual marriage. Maybe someday they're going to allow for polygamous marriage. And I don't think the church will want that because now what are they gonna do? Uh, because they were told that it was taken away because of the politics. And then God said, okay, it's actually the manifesto from 1890 is more of a political statement than it is any kind of a quote unquote revelation. So what are they going to do with that? Because they do believe in the next life, there will have to be polygamy because that man is going to be responsible to populate. And they don't like to use the word planet. Sometimes they'll allow the word world, but even they They take umbrage to that and say you're trying to make a sound like a fairy tale or something, but I'm just going off of what your leaders have said. The earlier leaders before 1890, including Brigham Young, said very clearly a man cannot make it into the celestial kingdom unless he's polygamous, because what's he gonna do not having enough wives. Mm. So that's something certainly is at the core. And the reason why polygamous groups have left, we have a number of them here in Utah. And you go, I was just in St. George's past week and, and shopping at a couple of stores at the Costco, for instance, and you'll see the women in the prairie dresses. We see that some here. But even more so in southern Utah, it's still polygamy is very much a practice in Utah. Mm. It's just done under the table, and uh, and nobody really bothers them because what are you going to do? You're going to arrest the the men yeah. and, and leave the women to the welfare. They tried that in the 1950s. It's called the Short Creek Raids. You can look that one up. It was a disaster, oh, wow. a public relations disaster. Yeah, for, uh, for 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 uh, for the church because uh, it caused all kinds of hurt feelings and and so. Uh, yeah. So th- this is something I don't think the church will ever want, but who knows with our society the way it is, marriage yeah. is no longer, if it's no longer between a man and a woman, then yeah. pretty much anything goes. And so why shouldn't three or four people be allowed to get married to each other?
0: Yep. Yep. Um, so another big question I have is, and this is a question I bring up specifically in when we when we cover uh, Mormonism in that unit, um we talk about essential doctrines. And uh, my question for you is specifically, um, you know, how much can a person be wrong and still be right? You know, when it comes to Mormonism and the fact that, um, that that uh, y- you know, this this Mormon I was witnessing to said, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe that He died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that I'm saved by grace. I don't believe that um, I don't believe that any of my works do anything, right. Um, so So how much can a person be wrong and still be right and go to heaven? Not everybody knows everything there is to know, right. We all have limited amounts of knowledge, and I'm sure God is going to clear up a bunch of uh, disagreements.
1: Right. Perfect um, even, theology someday.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even in your book, I thought it was really interesting. One of the things in your book you state is that there are actually a lot of Mormons who don't even believe in Mormonism, but stay in the church because of the right. fallout that comes from leaving. You you, you can potentially lose your family. Um, and so uh, are there Mormons that are secretly actually Christians and and are going to be going to heaven? Um, what Help clarify where the dividing line is there.
1: Yeah, look, Kevin, I'm not anybody's judge. All I have is the Bible and what it tells me a person has to do. And yes, we're supposed to believe in Jesus. Yes, we're supposed to have this relationship with him and we're saved by grace. The things that the Mormon can say he believes. But we have to understand that false gospels do exist. Galatians 1, 8, 9 says, if anyone preaches to you a false gospel. Well, what was the false, false gospel that the Judaizers were preaching? They were preaching in Christ. They were preaching in salvation by grace, but you had to keep the dietary law. You had to get circumcised. Paul said, no, that's another gospel. Hmm. Paul also writes in 2 Corinthians 11:4, it's possible to have a false Jesus. And so if the view of Jesus is the wrong view, because Muslims believe that Jesus is a great prophet, one of the seven greatest, peace be upon him, they'll say. They have great reverence for Jesus, but is that really a saving salvation? There are people going to our churches who believe in Jesus, quote unquote. And yet, do they really have that relationship? Here's the problem. Mormonism denies or distorts every single fundamental teaching of the historic Christian church. Mm -hmm. And I think the problem with the guy that you were talking to uh, that you have uh, together is a problem of Communication. You're not communicating because he says these terms. And if we just accept them at face value, what do you mean when you say you have a relationship with Jesus? What does that mean for you? What does it mean you're saved by grace? I, I, I just need to know more. Well, let me just come on to that one. Grace, according to Christianity, grace is a free gift given by God. It's not something you pay for, it's it's not by works, as I Quoted from uh, uh, from Ephesians chapter two. Mm-hmm. In Mormonism, it is basically uh, it, it's it's um, uh, how do they put it? Um, uh, it's it's basically uh, your ability to keep the commandments. Mm. And I'm not coming up with the correct term right now, but uh, it's it's your ability to do those works that you need to do. So that's why Second Nephi 25:23 rings true in Mormonism. You're saved by grace after all you can do what does after all you can do mean? It means what the leaders have said, keeping the commandments over and over again. Uh, And and now the general conferences, they have twice a year here in Salt Lake City. Uh, Oftentimes they are coming up with these uh, sermons that are kind of tricky because they'll say, like, for instance, one leader, um, uh, a, a guy named Jeffrey R. Holland said, you get credit for trying. Well, credit for trying what and, and and you read what he says he's not saying you're going to get the celestial kingdom for uh, f- that's not the credit it's just that you're closer and getting better and your goal though has to be keeping the commandments continually and unless you do where i am you cannot come that's what joseph smith said he was told in doctrine and covenant section 25 verse 15 so lds scripture is very clear the leaders are very clear you need to ask the latter day saint what do you mean by that the glossary at the back of my book should be helpful because it's going to help you understand what the Mormon means. So I don't want to tell a Mormon, well, you are going to hell because I'm telling you, you are. I'm just saying, it doesn't sound like the God you worship who once has, who has a body of flesh and bones and uh, once lived in another world and that you hope to become God someday yourself or like God. uh, That doesn't seem to be a biblical stance. And so the Bible says that that faith does matter and how you believe you need to know exactly what the Bible teaches. And, uh, and so I appreciate you have those things because I I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of Latter-day Saints who would say the same thing, but I try to say, Well, this this is what your leaders say. Would you deny what Spencer W. Kimball says that on page 25 here are over 80 80 things in his book, The Miracle of Forgiveness, written in 1969, a classic. He says, here are the 85 things you got to do. And he says, perfection is an achievable goal. And he says that trying is not sufficient nor is repentance complete when one merely tries to abandon sin to try is weak to do the best you can is not strong you must always do better than you can this is true in every walk of life so i would take Ephesians 2 and second nephi 25 i pit them together they don't coincide
0: yeah i love this in your book um i i highlighted and, and underlined a bunch of stuff here where you're talking about kimball and to quote exactly what you just said it said Um in in, I love also about your book that you have these conversations that you've written out that are very helpful because um to see how that practically can play out in a discussion is very helpful, I think, for everybody. And by the way, if you're just tuning in, my guest uh, today is Eric Johnson. He's just recently um released a book, Introducing Christianity to Mormons. And um, you know, if you have Mormon friends or Mormon family members, I can't recommend this book highly enough. Also, his website, mrm.org. And also introducing Christianity.com. These are great places to get more help and um, encouragement. Um, and I, I also love your attitude, Eric. Um, that um, we love Mormons. You know, um, Mormons are some of the nicest people I've ever met. Honestly, I, I mean, every every Mormon I meet, honestly, is involved in some sort of effort to humanitarian effort. You know, um, I met a guy down. We were I was doing a, a evangelism down at the beach. And he walked up and started talking to me about how he was in town to, to fight um, human trafficking. And uh, I could tell by the way he was talking that he wasn't a Christian. And so I immediately asked him these questions and we had a great, we had a great discussion, just the nicest guy ever. And then another guy had donated millions of dollars to, to Rady Children's Hospital and other kids hospitals. And so um, you know, Mormons are, are absolutely uh, some of the nicest people. Now, I've heard in the past, interestingly, I actually had a former Mormon in one of my Sunday school classes, and she was very bitter about her past um, with Mormonism. She, she, Her family had been Mormon for a very, very long time. And the, the passion with which she detested uh, the church was astonishing to me. Um, she didn't even want me to talk to Mormons. She was so upset when she heard I was going to be interviewing somebody in the Mormon leadership. Um, she was just almost like it was just uh, pretty powerful. And I thought to myself, wow, I wonder what happened to her that she would have that much bitterness um, towards the church of Jesus. What? Where does that come from? Why uh, what when, when, I, when I see Mormons today, they're so nice. Where, where does that bitterness come from um, for a lot of people?
1: Well, you're talking about a lady who found out the church wasn't true. However, she found out. It might have been the history and the doctrines because the church between 2013 and 2015 came out with 13 gospel topics essays. You can go on their website and find that. Find those essays today uh, admitting that Joseph Smith had between 30 and 40 wives. A lot of Latter-day Saints didn't know that. Uh, Admitting that the Book of Mormon was translated with the seer stone placed in a hat. Joseph Smith didn't even look at the plates that he supposedly dug up, but looking into his hat. Or that the Book of Abraham is true, even though... uh, we don't have a, a the physical uh, uh, document that that he supposedly used a common funeral papyri from about 2,000 years ago has nothing to do with Abraham, and they have to admit it's a spiritual translation and not a physical translation. Those are problems, and you and so a lot of Latter-day Saints are taught, and they're telling each other when hard times come, they say if the church isn't true, then nothing else is. And I think that's a lie from Satan, because if the church isn't true, when we're talking about the Mormon church, if it's not true, something else is. It could be atheism. And 45% of all people who leave uh, Mormonism, according to uh, a survey taken in 2019, they're heading to atheism, agnosticism, or nothing at all, where wow. another 21% say they're just Christian. Only one thing. They haven't gone to church or anything. They're just moral. It's moralism. Only Mm. one third of the people leaving are going to some kind of religion. And out of it, evangelical Christianity is the highest, but it's only 10%. That means Mm. if somebody leaves, only one out of 10 end up coming to Christianity. And the reason why, and I talk to them all the time, people who have left the church, especially recently, they're very bitter because they have been lied to. They're angry. And they want revenge oftentimes. And that's one thing that you have to really work with somebody who's left the church. And if they become a Christian, you have to work with them to get rid of that bitterness and say, I have a friend who who felt that way for a long time until he finally understood it was God's way of bringing him to the truth. And he might not have known the truth ever had he not ever been a Latter-day Saint. Just all the circumstances that come together. So Mm -hmm. I think we need to love the Latter-day Saint. Uh, I de- have a deep compassion for them. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3:16 that we're supposed to do it with gentleness and respect. We need to listen to what Latter-day Saints are saying, and and we, we need to hear them out when they when they're bitter like that. But then to say, you know what, you can't be bitter the rest of your life. And guess what? You if you're a Christian, you've got eternal life, and it was yours for the asking. Wow, what a, what a what a blessing that is. So I'm hoping. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to throw something out here, Kevin. I don't normally do this. I I mean, I'm doing some of these podcasts, but this book is meant for a Christian, especially because it's a Christian publisher, Harvest House. But I also wrote this book for for Latter-day Saints who might be willing to take a look at -hmm. what Christianity has to say. If any of your uh, listeners would like to get the book who are either in the church or have left in the last year, they can email me eric at mrm.org eric at mrm.org uh the first five people who have to be have you have to be in the church or just recently left and not for you to give to somebody but you're the person i would love to give you that copy because i think when you understand the hope that is offered in christianity that you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, that there mm. is something besides Mormonism. I'm sorry that the Latter-day Saint was burned by men, but it wasn't done by God or Jesus. And the Mormon once believed in God, and he believed that Jesus was the savior, and now they want to throw the whole thing away. It's not It's not worth it if there really is a God and a Jesus who did die for sins.
0: Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Yeah, so um, the other question you know, I, I had this interview, um, I have my students and I think you did the same thing. I had my students interview somebody from another religion for their project. They can interview somebody who's currently from another religion, or they can interview somebody that was formerly a part of that religion. And one of the interviews I got was a uh, really interesting, and it was a former Mormon. Um, I, I believe he was, uh, either a high priest or in the seventies or, or, or one of these positions. Yeah. But what happened to him? In and he tells this story and to these uh, to the students and and he's a Christian now. But he said um, a gentleman came to him, a Christian came to him and said, "If you can answer these ten questions, um, I will become a Mormon." That's what the the gentleman said to him, and he thought, "Oh, pff, done deal. This guy's going to become a Mormon in no time." <laughs> and he started researching the questions and he was like, man, I can't get the answers to these questions. And he kept going down the list and it started frustrating him like crazy. And he ended up writing to the apostles in the Mormon church and saying, I need answers to these questions because they're, they're really getting me and I need answers. And he said that they wrote back to him and said, good Mormons do not ask these types of questions. And yeah. he said at that point, he knew that it was not true. And what's crazy though, and what drives me crazy, is he never lists the 10 questions the guy oh. the guy asked him. And yeah. so I'm always like, oh my goodness, give me the 10 questions. And I could never get a hold of the guy again. I, I couldn't get a hold of him. But I'm just curious, in your mind, are there are there particular um, questions? You know, if you if you were to think in your head, what are those 10 questions, or what are five of those questions? Um, are there any that come to your mind that you would be like, yeah, these these are really helpful questions to help uh, somebody who's a part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints really, really begin to go, wait a second, I need to reevaluate what I believe. Is there anything that pops in your head on that?
1: Well, you know, uh, there's different ways you can do evangelism with uh, Latter-day Saints. We actually wrote a book, Shaman. Mac- McDowell and I edited a book called Sharing the Good News with Mormons back in 2018 with Harvest House. And we gave 24 different possible ways. But Mm -hmm. as far as asking questions, one of the chapters in that book had to do with the Colombo tactic of asking questions. Mm. And I don't know what those 10 questions were. But if I one of the questions I like to ask uh, is, uh, do you know that you have eternal life? And so I think you could turn that into one of the 10 questions. Um, Tell me about the, the security of your salvation and how, if you were to die right now, that you would get the very best your religion has to offer. Is that something you have? And let the person tell you about how they're in doubt, how they're trying their best, which trying is an admission of failure mm-hmm. because you don't try to climb a mountain. You climb a mountain. You don't use the word try or doing your best is admirable, but it's not what is required. Well, then you can turn the table and say, wait a minute, you want me to trade in my security of salvation that I can know I have eternal life for something that you don't even know and you're striving Mm -hmm. for, but you don't think you qualify for right now? I think that it's the old proverbial, you know, if you were to die right now, you know, what would you say to get, you know, to get into heaven? That was used, I think, by Bill Bright many years ago. But it's a great question because it really gets to the heart of the gospel. And how does a person qualify for heaven on Christianity, the answer is quite simple. It's through a relationship with Jesus by by belief. Uh, Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Done deal. Mm-hmm. Believe yeah. in your heart and confess with your mouth. Romans 10, 9 and 10. The Bible is so straightforward on what is done. Jesus paid it all. We receive the benefit of that. So that would be the one question I would ask is uh, tell me about where you know you're gonna head to in the next life.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so. You know, um, when when people have and this just happened to me, I was at a homeschool convention and a couple came up to me and said, we really need to learn about Mormonism. We have Mormon neighbors. We don't know how to best witness to them. What do we do? And um, what what advice would you give somebody who's you know, they're not an expert. They don't know. uh, I mean, your resources here are phenomenal. Um, The references to Kimball and what he wrote. um, And I thought it was so funny how you you actually pass out a book written by a Mormon at events, and then people are interested in them because it's it's written by a Mormon. Yeah, that's a great uh, a great strategy there. But for the average layperson who maybe isn't an expert on Mormonism and yet they have Mormon neighbors or whatever, what would you recommend the approach be in that regard? Um, other than getting this great book, but yeah. But,
1: uh, Well, I don't think, Kevin, you're going to be an expert overnight. It's going to take time. I think you're going to need to do research. Our website has lots of articles. We have a podcast that we do as well. Since 2011, we've done over 3,000 podcasts, Monday through Friday for 15 minutes. We have an index. If you go to mrm.org slash podcast and all the different topics. But I mean, some people aren't going to have limited uh, interest to get too deep. This book that I just wrote, I think might be the best book if somebody doesn't have a lot of information, but at least wanting to know what it is that Latter-day Saints believe, This has enough there to tell you a little bit about what they believe. I'll give you kind of the idea of where they're at and then how can we share Christianity? But that appendix in the back, I think is so valuable because what that appendix is going to do is when you hear these words like you did, well, you know, I believe in Jesus and I believe I'm not, it's not by works and so on and so forth. Well, then you can ask the intelligent questions. Well, let me just get this straight. Don't you believe the Bible is true as far as it's translated correctly when that is what Mormonism teaches from Article 8, written by Mm. Joseph Smith. Uh, And well, yeah, you know, and then you and that's my first two chapters. And so I think if you can learn what it is that you believe, Christians need to know what they believe first. They need to know the genuine before you can start looking at counterfeits. But we do need to know what the counterfeits also look like. That's going to help us be able to be more effective in the uh, witness we hope to be.
0: Yeah, I love that combination in your book, too, because really, when a when a person reads your book they're not just learning about mormonism they're learning about christianity they're learning what they believe and that's phenomenal um and then um is mormonism in your perspective um are there big changes happening in the mormon church is is mormonism growing is it shrinking is uh what's what's going on um you know in a broader broader perspective with the mormon
1: religion COVID hurt them very badly and uh, they were closed down. Almost all of the different congregations called wards uh, at their chapels, uh, their buildings that they would worship on Sunday, uh, were not open for business, if so to speak. For most of 2020, a lot of Latter day Saints stopped attending church. They stopped attending and not doing anything with the church. And uh, so uh, even driving by some of the wards in my area, I live in Utah they're not as full as they used to be i mean we're talking three quarters at the most full mm. compared to what uh used to be so i think that's hurt them they're at their slowest growth right now two years ago they only grew by a hundred thousand that was certainly COVID. but even this last year they grew by 180 thousand it's a very small percentage if they're 16 million and i don't think that number is accurate they uh some have uh said that maybe a quarter of all latter-day saints are active going to the temple like they're supposed to by getting their temple recommend uh i mean that we're talking four million maybe and Mm -hmm. and that and and only less than half actually live in the united states so uh i think the religion is in trouble uh the progressives are really trying hard to get the church to change its idea about some of those political issues i was i was mentioning with homosexuality with with the feminism right now they have old guard in there they the top three leaders uh um are are all over 90 uh, and wow. so th- they they have their ways but then some are wondering some of the younger guys coming along when i say younger they're in their 80s so that's young <laughs> in the it's all based on seniority so when yeah. this when when uh, nelson at 97 dies the next guy comes in is oh cuz i think he's 91 or 92 or something like that and so these guys are going to start dying what are the younger leaders going to start doing some have speculated they might make some changes as they did in 1978 They allowed blacks to hold the priesthood. They held out throughout the civil rights movement Mm -hmm. until 1978, when they did allow blacks to hold that priesthood. And and uh, and so some have said there could be changes. But if you're asking me, I don't see anything in the uh, in the in the um, uh, in the the upcoming years, maybe in the far horizon. But I I don't I don't see any indication of that.
0: Any indication of
1: of them changing the way that they do things as far mm. as women and homosexuality and mm. and other major changes that very much right now is very much a status quo even though mm. Nelson does say a lot of things in the Mormon issue at uh, 2018 where you're not supposed to use the word mormon anymore uh be I mean generally um they're, they're not making a lot of changes gotcha
0: well, um, well, we'll continue to pray for, for, uh, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day saints and, um, and for Mormons in general. And, and, uh, it's a big ministry here in San Diego, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities to witness to people as, as you know, and, uh, and of course, Utah is huge. Um, for those of you listening again, um, my guest today was Eric Johnson introducing Christianity to Mormons. Fantastic book. I highly recommend you get it, pick it up. And, um, MRM that stands for Mormon Research Ministry, right? Mormonism
1: uh, Research Ministry, MRM.org. Yeah.
0: Okay, fantastic. And then also introducing Christianity.com for those of you who have um friends or relatives you'd like to uh, you know start ha- start having that conversation. And uh that's a really good place to start. So uh Eric, I just want to say thanks a lot for being on the program today. And um, uh oh I had one last question, sorry, before I let you go. Yeah. Um, so you do kids can go on trips to Utah, is that correct? And do uh, ministry to Mormons with you?
1: Well, um, Christian High I did with the yeah. school that you're an administrator at. They came this past, uh, um, uh, at Easter time. We yeah. actually had them doing some different things. We handed out 200 flyers in a community up in the mountains, uh, 200 flyers. Can you imagine, right, the week before Easter inviting people to the church? That Sunday, the following Sunday on Easter, Eight of the families came to church wow. based on the flyers that our kids handed out. And, and one person came up to the pastor and said, nobody's ever invited me to church before. And I, that's I decided to come. So eight, that's, that's a huge, if you could get that kind of percentage, everybody'd be knocking on doors. <laughs> so I don't have a program per se, but yeah. uh, we certainly welcome uh, youth groups, uh, people who want to organize those. I have some contacts. If somebody wanted to contact me who would like to to come and bring a group for a week or however long it is.
0: That's wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much uh, for everything you're doing. Um, what a blessing. And, uh, Praise God. So thank you, Eric.
1: Thanks for having me on, Kevin.
0: Absolutely. Okay, man. Well, we'll be in touch soon. For those of you listening, uh, educateforlife.org is my website, all kinds of resources on there that you can use um, to help establish a stronger faith for yourself or your family. And uh, thanks for being here. We'll be uh, again next week. Uh, We'll have another guest and uh, we've got all kinds of amazing shows coming up. So glad you could join us and I hope you have a fantastic day. We'll see you next time.